0: Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming
1: live at wordradio.com. Tomorrow is the last day this year that city council will be in session until next year. And boy, when they come back in 2024, there will be a new mayor and a new city council president and so many things that will be on that agenda. Thankfully, we have Larry McGlynn, here from the hall monitor. He is the neighborhood and city hall reporter for that outlet. And he's going to give us some clarity on all these important issues. Hey, Larry, how you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you for being here with us on Reality Check. Larry, it's a lot of new for the city council and for some folks, they're probably happy about that.
0: Oh, sure. I mean, you know, when you have any kind of politician for any amount of time, there are always people, they're always going to be detractors, right? So anytime there's change, I think those detractors like, oh, okay, uh, maybe we're moving in a, a better direction here. And then for people who, you know, were obviously satisfied with how council worked, they might be thinking, you know, there might be some uncertainty about what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, well, I would think because uh, Daryl Clark is out of here. He's no longer going to be city council president and he will be replaced by Kenyatta Johnson. And apparently mm-hmm. Kenyatta was able to whip those votes into his favor uh, because it didn't look like he was a shoe in uh, while they were contending for that seat. What does that mean based on his experience uh, as a city councilman? What can we expect to see from him and how will he work with the brand new mayor?
0: So I, I think any conversation about council president right now does have to start with Daryl Clark. Sure, um, Daryl Clark served for twelve years as council president, and anyone you speak to who's in that council world has said he's the best council president they've seen. Mm. And you know he was able to do a lot of work behind the scenes to get everybody on the same page. You didn't have those contentious floor fights under Daryl Clark that you saw. You know going back 30 40 years you know you literal fights on city on the floor of city council at times um daryl clark was very good at being able to bring people together and even when and i'll i'll say in his tenure you know he, he had two mayors uh, michael nutter and jim kenny and at times you know it, it's pretty clear that they weren't on the same page and he was still able to steer the ship a little bit um with, you know which is part of his job We're actually on Hall Monitor tonight. We're going to have an interview with with Daryl Clark about his time on council um, and what that was like. And it's it's an interesting perspective to just hear him talk about it. Um, But for Kenyatta Johnson, what I would be doing right now is talking to everybody, including City Council President Daryl Clark. And I'm sure he's already had these discussions where it's like, how do you do this job? Because it's two jobs at once, really. You're still a district council person. Right. And your city council president, which is an even bigger responsibility in the city charter. The city council president is the next in line for mayor. Mm. Uh, So there, there's so many things that go into this job and it's a political job. It's an administrative job. And I I mean, it's almost being like an armchair psychologist too, because you have to work with the members of council. Daryl Clark always said he had 16 bosses, which are the other 16 members of council and you know find a consensus on things and then you have to take that consensus to the mayor who may have a completely different set of priorities so it's being able to help negotiate the legislative and the administration and all the stakeholders from outside city council lobbyists um interest groups rcos the people in your district to try to get them to some sort of consensus To pass meaningful legislation, and it's a lot of steps, and it's a lot of work, and that's why things take so long sometimes because you're trying to pull everybody together.
1: Well, we, you know, people can barely pull their family together to agree on a holiday plan, so we know that uh, when we're talking about the thorny issues of the day, whether it uh, deals with all these various districts and their priorities and what they have going on, that this is going to be a challenging job, and in the case of Uh, Kenyatta Johnson and our new mayor, Sherelle Parker, well, they didn't support each other's campaigns. She did not support his campaign uh, to be president of city council, nor did he support her campaign to be mayor. Yet, she kind of uh, uh, gave out an olive branch at her uh, first press conference and said that she expected to be able to work with him. Uh, Does that bode well for the future, or is that just, uh, you know, political, you know, gamesmanship?
0: Oh, I think it's a little bit of both. You you, you know, I, I in preparation for, for speaking to you today, and then some things we're doing on hall monitor, I've been looking back at, you know, articles about the past presidential city council president changes and successions and the mayoral successions. They all start off talking about how they're going to work together and get along. When John Street was mayor, that didn't last very long. <laughs> it was very contentious. Same thing with Michael Nutter. Kenny was a little different, um, but eventually that sort of changed as well. And I think that you know that that's absolutely the right foot to start on because you want to have that good relationship. Um, in terms of not having endorsed one another, I don't think it's as, as big a sticking point as it might seem. They've worked together on council for for years. They're also uh, both in Harrisburg together at, at the state house level, so they know each other pretty well. I think they're able to let that go and and form a good partnership. I and I, I you know in politics it's it's a bad idea to take things personally. So I think that they'll be able to get past that and at least start on a good foot, you know. But as we go on, you might see some divisions. You know, our last few mayors have come from city council and it almost seems like they forget that city what it was like to be a city council member. When they are complaining about the mayor, well, the mayor isn't listening to me. The mayor isn't doing this. And it seems like they all kind of fall into that trap. So hopefully that's one of the things that will keep city council and the mayor together is if, you know, mayor-elect Parker will understand that, yes, I was a member of city council. I know how it works. I know what the complaints were. And we can work through that together.
1: What are we to expect on the legislative agenda as we go into 2024? Again, with all this, we've got new members of city council, we've got a new city council president, we've got a new mayor. Um, But there are some problems in the city that they need to take on rather immediately. I think public safety certainly is one that people are concerned about. I mean, you know, we go from one horrific crime to another. It just seems like uh, in Philadelphia. And then we also have issues of uh, education, education funding, uh, quality of life issues in the city, Various things that are happening that, uh, in in my pet peeve, the fact that we have no bus terminal in Philadelphia, uh, also the proposed 76ers arena that I'm sure is going to gain some traction now with a new mayor. So what uh, do we know that they're probably going to look at first? And can Sherelle Parker and Kenyatta Johnson work together on it based on their previous history?
0: Yeah, I I, I think you're right with the the 76ers arena. I think we're going to start hearing a lot more about that when council comes back on the 25th, probably even before that, because that is a major topic of contention really all around the city. So we're going to see that to to start with. And I think one of the, the key issues that we keep hearing about, and this goes towards quality of life and crime and crime prevention, is staffing. The city of Philadelphia right now is... Missing about 20% of its workforce, yeah. uh, including police, you know, but really every agency, including L&I, where, where some of those uh, licenses and, and inspections, where some of those jobs are very nuanced and take a lot of training, and it's hard to find people to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a laborious process to, to to understand how that works, and they're understaffed. So I think you're going to see a big push for hiring, not just for police, which is also understaffed, but across... Department citywide, focusing on police, L and I, and a couple other major departments that that are having some of those issues. Nine one one, yeah, yeah, that's a huge issue too. And so I think you're going to see more and more of that. That's going to be a big push. And you know, part of the city, you know, the city has this record budget surplus right now. Well, a large part of that is because they didn't have they they had these budgeted positions that they didn't fill. So you're looking at a, a lot of money that was for jobs that didn't get spent. So I think you're going to see a a lot of focus on hiring and trying to get more people uh, in the police department, 911 operators, L&I, and a lot of other departments across the city. I think that should be a priority. Yeah. Um,
1: now, here, here's my question. And and if you're just joining us, uh, this is Reality Check. I'm Tanya Pendleton. And we're talking to Larry McGlynn. He is the neighborhood and city hall reporter at the Philadelphia Hall Monitor. So he knows all things city hall. And uh, I think your point about recruiting is a good one. But here's the thing. Because Philadelphia has, there are about 5,000 jobs open. Uh, correction officers being one of them as well. So they're key mm-hmm. jobs when it comes to public safety. We're talking police. We're talking corrections officers. We're talking 911 operators that they have had trouble retaining even when they do hire them because they're paying them so little. Um, because of the desperation to get people into these jobs, is recruiting going to be uh, shoddy? Because that would be the question. Once we fill those jobs, are they going to be with competent
0: people? Oh, yeah. I mean, and that that's a huge issue too. But for some of these positions, there are, and this is part of the reason why there are some vacancies, it, it, the the guidelines to, and the examinations you have to pass, all those sorts of things take a lot of time and require you to have at least that minimal level of competency to take that position. Not saying it always works out the right way. We, we know that. But for some of these positions, it's it's very sure With a police department, And I, I can't remember the exact numbers, but they bring in... I, thousands of people for their initial recruitment pitch right that if you're interested in becoming a police officer come hear us out and from that number when they start going through the different requirements physical requirements uh psychological exam psychological exam all the way through to completing um the police training at the the academy there's only about 30 or 40 of them left from those thousands who were initially interested so you know, you, you can I, you can feel relatively comfortable, I think, that um, for some of these high pressure positions with a lot of responsibility, there is there are multiple levels of checks. Um, now, again, it, then the question is, well, who's doing the checks? How does that work? Um, I, and I could understand if there's criticism there as well. But I think, like I said, for some of these positions, there's a lot of work that goes into it and a big investment from the city.
1: And then by you saying that with all these checks, we get these 30 people and then, you know, we get a population of police officers that aren't always doing their job the way that they should be. So that's a little uh, daunting when you think about it Mm -hmm. from that perspective, because certainly uh, we want to have the best police correction officer and and all of these things that impact our public safety. But uh, if we are sending them through the amount of criteria that the jobs deserve, and we end up with that low a number, and then we still get people in place that uh, are not doing things the way that they're supposed to. That is a problem. So yeah. I don't know if we're going to have to expand our recruiting or bring some people in. You know, I, I jokingly said that we should take some of the people who are convicted of crimes and turn them into police officers, maybe. But uh, I don't think that that's going to fly, uh, you know, to, in the sense that you take a you know a cyber a cyber hacker and turn them into security or cybersecurity, but I don't think that proposal is gonna fly. So what is uh, Sherelle Parker going to have to do in order to uh, make the recruiting efforts really, I would say substantial, but also uh, get some folks in here who can do these jobs?
0: Money. (laughs) Um, the, the, <laughs> well, yeah. There was a, uh, I think it was Councilmember Jones brought this up uh, a while ago that the city of Orlando was advertising in Philadelphia mm. to hire police officers for Orlando. And they were giving, I think, like a $20,000 signing bonus. And they said, you get to live in Orlando on the beach. Yeah, and be close
1: to Disney at that. So, yeah, I'm sure they were like, right. yes,
0: so why not? So, if it's a cold, snowy day in Philadelphia and you're thinking about becoming a police officer and you see that, Well, you know, all of a sudden, you know, that's not such a bad idea. So I think that's part of it. And it's also um, retaining the people we have now. So the um, EMS operators Mm. in Philadelphia, we're having a problem there, too. And because what happens is in Philadelphia, they get the job and 100 percent of their day, 100 percent of their day is either on a call or going to a call. Right. There isn't any downtime in that job. But. What happens is they they do a couple years here, and then they move out to one of the suburban counties. They get paid more, and there's less work. Mm. Um, You know, they they actually have some breathing room during their day on the job. So, you know, and and then our nine one one operators, it's kind of the same thing. Nine one one operator in Philadelphia starts at forty two thousand dollars a year.
1: I couldn't believe that (laughs) figure. I was shocked by that. In in such a traumatic job, and in fact, when they had the hearings. Uh, in front of City Hall, they also said that they're not treated well. They said that they're not even told, you know, good job or anything like that. In a job like that, that is so difficult. So uh, Sherelle is going to have her hands, or I should say, uh, Madam Mayor, she is going to have her hands full once she gets into office. But I think, Larry, you make a great point that hiring is going to be one of the most significant things that she does. And then uh, seeing how this City council president relationship uh plays out with the new mayor, Larry. It's always a pleasure to see you, and you know what we're gonna have to have you back to talk about this more because I'm quite sure that once uh city council starts up again, we're probably immediately gonna have some things to talk about uh as they get uh set to deal with all these thorny issues in our city. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, anytime. Thank you so much.
1: And thank you, Larry McGlynn, neighborhood and city hall reporter for the Philadelphia Hall Monitor. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1
0: FM, 900 a.m. and online at (laughs) wordradio.com.